the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us on this Monday afternoon. Hope you had a great weekend. And uh, we are excited to be with you today. How was your weekend, my friend? Don't remember. <laughs> One of those weekends. No, 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 no. It was, it was great. You and I were at the Lyft conference on yeah, uh, Friday, Friday, and my wife was a part of a, a fair, a market at uh, the Yellow Box for most of Saturday. So it was me and the boys, which was a hoot. And then... Uh, what was this fair at your church? So it was just various different uh, uh, vendors, and it was actually um, in support of something called the Chad Effect. It's a ministry started by uh, a couple at our church after they lost their son. Oh, and wow. this was their first kind of go-around of this kind of market idea. And so there was, you know, prizes and all the proceeds were going back into this ministry they oh, started. Cool. And, you know, yeah, it was just, it was really cool. My, my wife is, and we had her on the show talking about, you know, not only just the stuff that she's making, but the ministry and the heart behind it, which brings me to yesterday where uh, Mary and her mom was having their annual Timothy's ministry banquet. And and that's the ministry that that Mary Uh started after her son passed uh, a little over a decade and a half ago. And so, you know, we brought the whole family to that. And that, of course, is crazy with kids, but you get to hear the stories of life change and you get to sing together and share a meal together. And it was, yeah, it was, it was actually a pretty a pretty packed. I was going to say, yeah. A, yeah. what'd you do with all your downtime? Yeah. <laughs> Not sleep, that's for there, sure. Uh, there you go. How about, how about you? Well, this weekend was my daughter's, uh, my oldest child's 16th birthday, which feels like a huge deal, right? Like mm-hmm. you're like, oh my goodness, 16. So I had all these, you know, cats in the cradle moments of like, I'm sure staring off in the distance. Of course. <laughs> but we Where's th- my baby girl. I know. But we I actually told her the other day, I said, I know you're turning 16. You just need to know that we still see you as six. <laughs> She's like, I'm very aware of that, daddy. <laughs> but uh, uh, we pulled off much. Uh, we it was not equally shared. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. But my no, wife none of us I, are assuming that <laughs> my wife and I pulled off a surprise party, 16th nice. birthday party on Friday that she was legitimately surprised. It was really fun. Nice. And then, uh, and then the rest of the weekend was just kind of centered around her birthday. Her actual birthday was yesterday. Nice. So out to dinner. It was, uh, it was really fun. It's just fun to see your kid like, uh, just genuinely feel celebrated mm-hmm. and genuinely. Uh, but yeah, it is weird. 16 feels like this next step of like, man, this is, <laughs> she can get her license here. She has to wait until January to get her license, but now it's kind of going like this is crazy. How, how much of that is you feeling your own age? You're like, wait a minute. I have a 16 year old. Is that part of it? I think it is a little bit, but I think it is more, uh, Carrie and I were talking about this last night. It is more like, man, it, like you always say it's going fast, but there are certain milestones where you're like, it's really going uh, yeah, fast. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, uh, you know, you start going through pictures and stuff on a birthday. Like we're of going through with, 
and you start looking at them, you're like, wow, that, you know, I'm going to sound like that old guy, like the, but like it feels like yesterday that right. picture, and it's actually ten years ago. Right? And you're like, man, when did that happen? Yeah. And you start doing the math of like when college is, and this like, oh, <laughs> but it, it was a lot of fun. It was fun, but uh, but I do feel old on a regular basis. <laughs> you and me both, man. But, but anyway, we hope you had a good weekend out there. Uh, later on, we'll talk about what we preached, or I don't know, did you preach this weekend? I did. Good, because I did not. But <laughs> I will talk about what somebody else in our church preached. Right on. And, uh, <laughs> we'll do that. We hope you had a great weekend and a good Monday. We're glad to have you with us. I want to jump into a story that's a little bit older. It's a little. It's like a week old right now. Oh, it's ancient. Ancient in this uh, in this one. But it, it's, it's political, but not political, because I think the hmm. premise behind it is something that, again, doesn't surprise me, but... Uh, has some. It says some stuff about us as a culture that I think are interesting. The title of the New York Times says this: uh, After Chuck Schumer praised the retiring Representative Peter King, some Democrats jeered. So you've got Representative Peter King from New York, from Long Island, uh-huh, right? Uh, who announced last week that he is not running for re-election, that he is retiring. He is uh, a a very conservative Republican. He is a backer of Donald Trump. All of this, uh, it says here in the article, Mr. King is frequently a supporter of Donald Trump and his policies. And then you've got Chuck Schumer, who is one of the senators of New York. So they're from the same state. And so obviously they've had a longstanding relationship with one another. Uh, And Chuck Schumer came out after uh, Peter King announced that he wasn't running anymore. And Schumer uh, remarked, uh, that Mr. King stood head and shoulders above everyone else and that he fiercely loved America, Long Island, and his Irish heritage and left a lasting mark on all three. And then he said, I will miss him in Congress and value his friendship. So seems like it was, this was tweeted out. Or no, maybe it was. Yeah, I think it was in a tweet. So it seems normal. He got roasted for yeah, this yeah. Uh, by people on his side of the aisle, the Democrat, uh, the people who are Democrats. Uh, but it would happen the other way around as well. Uh, just got killed of people literally at the end of this saying that he should resign for this, that uh, good riddance to Peter King. Uh and so uh, Representative Elon Omar of Minnesota it basically came out and said that this was a blunder and said, good riddance. And so he just got roasted. And Schumer, to his credit, didn't take the tweet down. He didn't apologize. He just let it go. Here's my question and just bringing this story up. what uh, is there some bigger cultural uh, societal thing here? Or is this only in politics? We're like. You can't even wish goodwill on the person that you disagree with, that you are not on the same side of the aisle with in this stand. So because people feel very passionately against Peter King like right. on Schumer's side of the aisle. But he didn't come out and be like, hey, he was the greatest congressman. I agreed with him on everything. And he was good for the country. He said, I'm going to miss his friendship. Uh, he worked hard. He, he tried to do good things for New York. Uh, it felt like a it, to me, it felt like an appropriate kind of, hey, uh, uh, putting a bow on somebody that he's worked with. But again, he just got roasted for it. So what do you think about this? What do you think about him getting roasted for this? So the, the article uses the phrase hyper-partisan era, which I think is actually a good description. Mm. I think it is seen most vividly in politics, but I think it exists everywhere. And we've talked about this before that you can't, it seems impossible, and I know that it's not, but it seems impossible at times to make any criticism of one side without the assumption being that you're in love with the other side, yes. right? We just yes. have this massive, stark, black and white sort of, and we exist. And and I think people that will take the time for some reflection and contemplation know that the world doesn't really work that way, that yep. there's always going to be 
a good deal of nuance. Twitter's not great at mitigating that, to be honest. Yeah. It's kind of the nature of the platform. But it is unfortunate to see someone like this uh, roasted in a way. And I don't know if there's something that you see as like a parallel in church world or yeah, something. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think about. But it is disheartening, though, that, again, like you said, he, he's not saying, oh, 100% of his policies or things that I believe in. And I, and I get that some of the outrage, you know, people feel these very intensely. I don't want to discredit some of their feelings based on something that they saw King do or whatever, but there's some pretty awful things said here. And they, I mean, they worked, you know, shoulder to shoulder uh, following 9-11. Like they had some real like relational investment together. And it, it does frustrate me that it seems like we're getting further and further away from the capacity to even be shoulder to shoulder with people unless, unless they cross a 99% compatible ratio or something yeah you ask in the church world it's a little apples to oranges but it feels like uh one of the answers to that question might be like when you see people in the evangelical world uh partnering with somebody a catholic priest or even uh gosh don't even get me started i know right (laughs) or even like a jewish rabbi or whatever kind of reaching across and you're like we don't have to be a hundred percent theological match to do x right or to do y we're not enemies here that's where it feels like it I don't know. I, this is a, a completely not surprising story to me, but I think that's kind of the point. Yeah, that we've got to find a way to be. Uh, you know, we get, we need to find a way to disagree without being disagreeable. I guess is uh, how I'd wrap that up. So, love to know what you think. You can find it on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. Coming up next, we had the uh, we we are going to have the opportunity to sit down with Jim Daly. The president of Focus on the Family. You're going to want to. Uh, you are not going to. I must said you're going to want to miss that interview. <laughs> you are not going to want to miss that interview. You're not getting to talk with Jim Daly. Coming up next year on the Common Good AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with the Right Reverend Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show 1160Hope.com/slash the Common Good plus. Wherever it is that you get your podcast, if that's you, like, subscribe, review, all that stuff somehow magically does help us. But we mention this every single time. We love having guests. And this may be our most premier in-person guest. Yes. To date. <laughs> Which says something about the show. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm laughing already. <laughs> so that third voice that you're hearing is none other than Jim Daly. Jim, welcome to the show. It's good to be with you. And in Chicago. Yeah. And in Chicago. That's not what you were saying before we went yeah. live. <laughs> well, there is some snow on the ground. That's but, true. You know, that makes me feel at home in Colorado. That's yeah. true. Don't remind us. Okay, for anyone listening, why don't you give us just an introduction about who you are, what you do, huh. what you're passionate about. Talk for as long or as little as you want just about... Who is oh, I love this. Please well, <laughs> I was born. <laughs> now, like uh, man, we are here. John Fuller's here with me, and we're uh, doing a quick five-city tour, really to announce a May 9th event that is uh, was birthed out of our last May's event in yeah. Times Square. Hmm. So we did this thing, and we brought uh, live ultrasound to Times Square. It was awesome. Hmm. We had about 20,000 people show up, and uh, it was just a great day. So this tour is really to announce on May 9th that we're going to... To uh, have a five-city simulcast hmm. and attempt to do the same thing, have great speakers, great music, and live ultrasounds in each of those locations. Wow. So talk to us more about that event. I remember, I think we talked to John last year about the May 9th event in Times Square. And uh, so tell us, first of all, how that went. Uh, what was the reaction? Because I remember when we talked about it before it went on, going, 
Sounds like it could get dangerous. It could get. Oh, it had all of that. Good. I mean, it It had the element. Tell us how the last one went, and then we can look forward. So, uh, Jeannie Mancini. I asked Uh Jeannie, who's the president of March for Life, to to be my Uh co-host, and I just love Jeannie and what she's doing with the March for Life, and that happens in January. It's a great march for the preborn baby. Yeah, they'll have. 200,000 people show up, usually in really bad weather, January 24th wow. in D.C. And so I said this would be a natural alliance with Jeannie, the yes. Catholic community, for the Protestant community to get together. So that was the backdrop. So Jeannie and I are up there doing uh, voice checks on the mic a couple hours before, <laughs> before the event <laughs> in, in Times Square. Square. Wow. We have our mobile unit that's all decked out with, you know, save a baby, all that kind of yeah, thing. And right. all of a sudden people start walking by and they're using words that mm, we don't use in Christianity, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, and Jeannie leans over and says, is this what the day is going to be like? Yeah. Right. What should we do? I said, I think all we can do is pray and just yeah. pray that we get through this thing. And But it was amazing. And so mm. we had 20,000 people showed up. Wow. We had about three, three 400 protesters. And as they went by this mobile unit, which had the ultrasound where we did the live ultrasound, yeah. They were spitting on it. They were wow. throwing stuff at it. No it was so kind of heart wrenching. Yeah, you know, I it wasn't. It didn't drive any kind of anger in me. I, usually, the more people are angry with me about something, especially related to scripture, kind of the happier I get. Mm. I mean, it's not a thing. I just smile at them, and people don't know what to do with that. Right, kind of that happy warrior approach. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And so, even at the event, I mean, we stopped and prayed for them three times. Imagine three hundred protesters in there. Hey, hey, let's stop and pray for these guys, Lord. I hope you will open their eyes to what yeah. they're doing and what they're supporting, the taking wow. of innocent human life. Mm. Like you've opened our eyes, Lord. No one's different under you. We're all the same. We need to, to see your heart for this preborn yeah. child. Wow. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but we don't like you. <laughs> and, you know, one of the fun things was we had to rent a, a nearby place for the crew to eat and all that. Yeah. We probably had 150 people working on the whole thing. So we had to rent the Hard Rock Cafe. So the manager at the end of the event told one of our focus staff, you know, we didn't know what to expect with you guys from the pro-life community. We, you know, we didn't know if you'd be all weird. But you guys are like just joyful and normal people. Oh, well, <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah, no kidding. I don't know what they expected. Like, here we are from the pro-life community. We want to eat you. Right. Or are you wearing like robes? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but, you know, it's just so funny just to be joyful yeah, and go yeah. in and say, hey, we're just for the woman. And we're for the baby. Yeah. And we think the better choice is life. Mm. And we acknowledge there's a choice. We want to rally a woman to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to bring my baby into this world. And wow. either keep it, give it up for adoption, yeah. or find an alternative right. that allows that baby to have the life God has given it. Yeah. Wow. All right. So you mentioned that you're, you're on this tour right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, this is the last day, and this is why I'm sounding so insane. So. But my guess is that most people listening have never been on a tour before, right? I have no idea. Like, what? one, what is it like being on a tour in the first place? And two, are there any stories or things that kind of stand out to you? It's like, oh, man, this is a highlight. <laughs> the from first thing trip. is when you end up at your next hotel, and standing in front of room 324, and you're going... Oh my goodness! I don't think this is my room. <laughs> We've all been there. That happens. Or waking up in the middle of the night, going, "Where am I?" Where am I? Uh, <laughs> that's kind of normal, but uh, it's a lot of fun. John and I, and a, there's a whole host of yeah. folks from Focus on the Family doing social media and all that kind of thing. But hmm. you know, we started in Denver. Of course, took off uh, Monday morning, flew out to Southern California, which will be one of the sites in Orange County. 
had a great event there. And in fact, we had Johnny Erickson Tata mm. and she connected with the audience. And then yeah. we uh, took off for Dallas. We landed there in mm. uh, what was 22 degrees with it was eight degrees with the wind chill. We're going, man, this is colder than Colorado. <laughs> yeah, what are right. we doing here? Yeah. yeah, That was the night all the pipes froze in Dallas. Oh, gosh, <laughs> we are out the uh, tarmac like at 3.30 in the morning going, really? <laughs> what and, are we uh, doing here? Yeah, what are we doing here? But you know what was always going through my head? This is for the baby and for that yeah. mom. Yeah. And it put a smile on my face. I mean, yeah. it was like, okay, this is worth it. It's yeah, awesome. and then we kept going Tampa and then Atlanta and now Chicago. You picked warmer spots, but then you ended with us. So yeah, they're all right. cold though. People in Tampa are <laughs> oh. going, "Sorry for this cold spell." What is it? Sixty. <laughs> cold spell. <laughs> they're all wearing jackets. Yeah. No, I'm in, I'm in a t-shirt. Going, what are you guys doing here? Swimming, right? So, uh, at these events, it kind of centered around this ultrasound you're, you were talking about in Times Square and other places. Uh, never having seen it, what is the reaction people have as they see this ultrasound? Talk to us about that moment in the event. You, you both pastors, mm-hmm, so yeah. you have led people to the Lord, mm-hmm. and you know that point when you know that they realize it, yeah. mm. that they got it. You could see it in their faces. Yeah. It's very much like that. Uh, in New York, in Times Square, I just remember we had great speakers. Alveda King, the niece of Martin Luther King Jr., spoke first. Wow. Christina Bennett, powerful African-American from Connecticut, spoke about women and the pro-life movement and Benjamin Watson from the formerly from the Saints what a great thing a Christian yeah. NFL player playing mm. for the Saints yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then they traded him to the Patriots yep. which you know those of us in Denver are going what yeah so I think yeah. all football fans feel that way about what's yeah. going on there? <laughs> but Benjamin got up there and spoke powerfully to men about yeah. the issue of abortion and one of them said you know more black babies were killed in New York City by Planned Parenthood last year than were born mm. And no kidding. Wow. Here's one of the here was one of the outcomes. One of the components of the protest group were made up of Black Lives Matters. You know, they put the dog whistle out, go protest the hate group, focus on the family, only to hopefully find that we loved them to death. Yeah, yeah right. But um, right. you know, go protest them, I and it was pro Planned Parenthood people, LGBTQ, and Black Lives Matters. Mm. And so when Christina or or uh, Benjamin said that. We just, they dropped their signs and walked in with us. Wow. And I went, wow, there's a scale dropping from the eyes moment. I mean, my rationalization watching them was they're thinking to themselves, why are we standing with the people that are trying to kill our babies? Mm. Let's go stand with the people who are trying to save our babies. And it was one of those moments like, boom. That's remarkable. Powerful. Okay, so you're going to stick around for one more segment, but before we do, uh, where can people go to learn more about everything that you're talking about? I don't know if that's well, a, a thing you're that you throw me have. a curveball now, but I think it's probably focus on the family. All right. Slash life. Thank you, John Fuller. Yeah. Off to the side. Oh, you good With people. The He's got butter voice here. Focus on the family. Dot com slash life. There it is. I With love the hand it. motions and everything. Yeah, he is. He's, <laughs> oh, uh, what? Alive. Oh, alive. focus on the family.com <laughs> slash alive. Or you can call us at 1 800 A family. That's what I would do. There, I'm you lazy. Go. there you go. That's what it Well, that third voice you're hearing is none other than Jim Daly. He's going to stick around for one more segment here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name, as always, is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash 
The Common Good. Also, wherever it is, your podcast on Twitter <laughs> at Common Good Talk. We got a lot of slashes. A lot of slashes I so appreciate going on. you. Man. You know as much about those things as I do. <laughs> if you could see me, I'm staring at the ground, trying so hard to remember the details because that's not a strength of the mine. The problem is there's no paper on the no. ground with any note. He's just, just looking at the carpet. Yeah. Like, we know they hand us a microphone, talk into it. That's all we know. <laughs> he, looks, he looks desperate. Yes. And I don't know if you can resonate with this or not, but like my father told me a couple years ago, he said the great irony is that you get paid to do what you used to be, get grounded for. <laughs> which is I bet dads, dads have to be so mad about that. Yes. I tried all to, your life okay, to so I told Trent when he was like 12, you know, he wasn't doing well. And I said, Trent, you're going to be a ditch digger. I was on this for like four days. Oh, Finally, no. he looked at me and goes, Dad, what's wrong with digging ditches if I love the Lord? Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. Play that one on me. So was he going, holding okay. a microphone that yeah. he then dropped? <laughs> yeah, just, You're the smartest away. 12-year-old I know. <laughs> oh, anyway, that was so funny. I'm like, okay, you got me. Yeah. Uh, that voice here is, again, Jim Daly from Focus on the Family. And uh, I we did a story September, August with Drew Brees and Focus on the Family. Oh. And I remember being struck by the fact that you guys at Focus on the Family were being characterized as a hate group, uh, like that sort of language. Wondering what that was like for you, just in general, kind of the way greater culture has been starting to describe Focus on the Family. Oh, we, were having, we were having so much fun. I don't yeah. like you guys. <laughs> Well, I don't us, like either one of you. There you go. Those of us in the church. Who cut world, your hair? <laughs> Get him, Jim. No, I mean, it's it, it's unfortunate. I think what, and I've got a number of friends in the yeah. LGBT community, yeah, and I yeah. appreciate these relationships. They have taught me a lot, and it changed my heart. There's not a monolithic, you know, group. Right. They're very, you know, different in all ways. I mean, they've uh, some believe in religious liberty, others do not, hmm. um, and they look at us in very much the same. Th- way that yeah. we're very monolithic that we're uh yeah what was that church out of uh, kansas uh the westboro baptist church yeah right they right. actually asked me isn't that how all christians behave mm, talk heartbreaking behind? no they're I, yes. I even said i mean i'm mean, i'm sure i wouldn't consider them christian because right. there's no fruit yeah right love joy peace goodness yeah, right you know, those wonderful things that the lord gives this world and uh, so it's unfortunate. You have yeah. to, you just can't let it penetrate you. You know who you are. You mm. keep moving forward. Mm. And I would only encourage Christians who do wag their finger. I've never heard a testimony like this. Mm-hmm. Those Christians were so mean to me. They hated me so much. <laughs> right. I decided to become one right. of them. <laughs> I just have never heard. Have you got, I mean, you're pastors. So. Have you ever? It's always, you know, I treated them with terrible vile things yeah, right. and i said rotten things to my right. christian friends and they always responded with kindness mm. that's what drew me in wow. like romans 2 4 yeah, right? right yeah don't you know it's god's kindness yes, that right. leads one to repentance that's right and i'm just you know one i try to wake up every day remembering i'm not peter in the garden with the sword mm. i'm trying to be S- stephen laying my life down mm. and we need more stevens in the body of christ that's, great. that's really good all right so you clearly you have so many things going on so many projects and endeavors and i'm curious if you'd be willing to peek behind the curtain what do you do when you're not doing all those things? Like, what's just a leisurely day in the life of Jim Daly? Hun, is this the list I need to get done today? <laughs> sure, sure. I've only got an hour. <laughs> this is no, why he does these tours. Know, right. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Man. No, I, uh, it's so funny because when uh, Dr. Dobson asked me if I wanted to take this over back, and it was 04 when he asked me, 05 when I took the role. Okay. And uh, I remember coming home to my wife, Jean, and saying, Hey, this is what Dr. Dobson and the board 
is thinking. And wow. she, the first thing she said was, who would have thunk it? <laughs> <laughs> really built my ego up. Yeah, I was yeah, hoping yeah. you would have yeah. thunk it. But the next thing was so funny. She said, hey, the trash needs to go out. Uh, and yeah. I went, I looked at her you jokingly and said, Oh, I don't know if I could take the trash out. And she gave me that eye, like, hey, you're going to take that trash no, out. Oh, we've never gotten the eye. Yeah, no, you, no, you no, know, no. wives have such a great way of yeah. convincing their husbands to do what they're asking. Yes. The eye. Oh, you want me to take the garbage out? I'm on the radio. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm a radio personality. For the record, I've never said yeah. any of these can things. I, can I just say, <laughs> within 30 seconds, the garbage was gone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's that kind of thing, and it's yeah. just normal. I yeah. remember dropping Trent off at school, uh, my oldest. I think then he was in ninth grade, and I'd probably been in the role five six years yeah. and he jumps in the car and he goes dad are you the f- the president of focus i said why he said my friends at school day were all telling me you're the president i said no no you just work there i said what's the difference uh, and he goes well you know if you're president that's a different yeah, thing yeah. are you the president i said yeah he goes why didn't you tell me <laughs> <laughs> and i just <laughs> frankly because i forgot yeah. <laughs> it uh, sounds bigger than it is or better than it is you i just send him the memo i just never it wasn't that critical to me mm. and uh, i just love that you know people in christian leadership i think one of our great Achilles heels is we tend to think more highly of ourselves than we should. Right. I mean, who should we be thanking? Who should we be admiring is Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah. All the rest of us are just on equal footing, right? right. We're all sinners yeah. saved by grace. Yeah. Right. And it's one of the things I think that we've got to work on. We've got lots of cousins of Caiaphas in the body of Christ. Mm. We're pointing a finger at the world very quickly to say, hey, you're not behaving the way we Christians yeah. want you mm. to behave. Well, duh. Yeah. They're right. not subscribing to what we believe. Right. But for us... Why aren't we holding each other accountable right. in brotherly, sisterly love? Say, if you're going to be a Christian, I want to see the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. If you don't have it, let me mentor you right. in that way. And I, you know, that's just part of it. That's great. So uh, we've been talking about this event to, to really um, talk about abortion. And I'm wondering about if there's a woman out there right now listening who's going, you know what? I'm really considering this. I'm kind of lost. I don't know where to find hope. Uh could you speak to her a little bit as she's kind of driving in her car right now going, I Absolutely. don't know what I want to do. I mean, there is that immediate uh, situation where maybe she just found out she was pregnant mm-hmm. and she doesn't know what to do. Hmm. Um, it's an unwanted pregnancy, yeah. as they say. Hmm. I mean, one of the things, most towns, most cities, certainly here in America, they there is a pregnancy resource center nearby. Hmm. Now, they are in direct competition with Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics in right. your city. But they want to show you a free ultrasound. Mm. And I would go there. I would go there for the counseling. If you don't know where to go, call us at Focus on the Family. We can give you some guidance on where to go. But that will at least inform you. Uh, You know, what I see with the abortion clinics, Planned Parenthood particularly, they're trying to pass laws where the pro-life community has to talk about abortion with the woman Mm. and uh, commands it. They wanted in California to put signs up requiring them to say you can get an abortion and list locations even. I mean, it's ridiculous. Wow. Hmm. And all we want to say in the pro-life community is we believe we're all made in the image of God yeah. and that your child already being formed in your womb is hmm. made in the image of God. And God has a purpose for that child. Yeah. And hmm. I know there's going to be hardships and there will be difficulty, hmm. but people are there to help you. I'm an orphan kid. I was, uh, my mom considered abortion when wow. I was born in California, because in that state, even before Roe v. Wade, hmm. if you were over 40, my mom was 42, you could get a medical abortion. Right, right. And uh, my dad talked her out of it. No and uh, I mean, so it was happening then. Quality of life is not having life. Yeah. Having life and hmm. letting God guide that life is key. That's, oh, that's incredible. Powerful. All right, so like in the minute or so we have left, 
one of the things that we've tried to do with the show, it's kind of the heartbeat behind the word common, is how do we create common space for people that come from different perspectives, different theologies, different backgrounds, to have an important dialogue. For someone listening who's like adamantly pro-life or pro-choice or somewhere in between or has friends on the other side, like, can you just give a, a word of instruction or coaching on how, how we can better have a conversation around these like really important issues? Well, one is to remember not to take it personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I, in a different space, not the pro-life space, but in the LGBTQ space, I was speaking at an event and there was a gay activist there and he put his hand up and I called on him and he said, when are Christians going to get over their uptight sexual behavior and get into the 21st century? And I'm smiling the whole time and it's irritating him. <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, it's really great of you to want to make me the editor of the book. Because there's some things in that book I'd like to erase. Like when you look at a woman have adultery or, you know, have yeah. lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Let's get rid of that one. Most guys would agree with me, most Christian guys. Hmm. And the same is true there. Um, we've got to help people understand we're followers of what we believe. We can't edit the book. And uh, in the same way, uh, when you get into these discussions with people, know that there's visceral feelings. And we've yeah, got right. to engage them with kindness uh, be firm in the middle, soft on the edges, yeah. and allow people to see the heart of God in that. And then just appeal to their, their sense of fairness, logic, wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. I think people in their heart know uh, what's Absolutely. right, and that's why they fight so hard, because mm. they're really fighting what they see in the mirror. Yeah, yeah that's oh, right. That's Jim, thanks for that Thank answer, you. Man. I really appreciate great. that. You can hear Jim every weekday on AM 1160 at 1130 AM. You can learn more at com. Thank you again. Brother, for joining us today. It's really, great. Really great to be it. with you. Thank you, man. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us today. You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show, online at eleven sixty Hope, Twitter at Common Good Talk. Did you, I got excited about Twitter there? Yeah, that, man, Twitter. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, you can find our podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, review. Uh, thank you to all of you who do podcasts. We are we are really grateful, as Ian likes to say. It helps us somehow when you subscribe. We're not exactly <laughs> sure how, but it does help us. We should and, figure that out one of these days. Yeah. Maybe you and I don't know that our salaries are tied to it, I wonder. Oh, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> we are making $11. Let me look that up real quick. <laughs> How are salaries determined in the radio world? How do adults get paid? <laughs> How do adults get paid? <laughs> Dear Siri. Uh, there's all these people right now with, with a, uh, they've got their, their, uh, a notepad out and a pen. Like, yes, do, please yeah. tell me. <laughs> We're all ears. Please tell me. So... Uh, Mondays are always weird days for us as pastors. Uh, we get to uh, we have the opportunity on Sundays to to be a part of the churches that we lead to often preach, uh, and uh, it is then you wake up Monday and you're a little kind of uh, just kind of in a fog a little bit. And so one of the things we've tried to do on the show is talk about what did we preach, what was Sunday like for us. Uh, I've never, I'm not sure I've ever asked you this question before we talk about what we preach, because I'm going to be very honest. I didn't preach. Oh, boy. Scott, our assistant pastor, did an awesome job. And so I, I will talk about what he preached. But um, do you this is totally somewhat off subject, but <laughs> as a pastor, yeah. do you have a hard time engaging in worship? In your church, like on a Sunday where you're preaching, you're kind of there, you're in the mix. Yeah. Do you have a hard time with that? Uh, I, I do. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was just thinking about like at the Lyft conference for a lot of it. I just kind of like stood in the back and was just 
loving it. Yeah. And I was trying to I was trying to figure out why why is this resonating so deeply right now? I was tired. Like it was a it was a long day and right. there, yeah, there was something I think, and again, we had responsibilities at Lyft as well. So, but it was different though than we weren't in charge. We weren't right, and and when you're yeah, when you're at your own church, there there is some difficulty there at times. A lot of it depends though. Sometimes it really catches me off guard. A lot of times I am kind of running through my head like all the other stuff that I, and that's on me. I don't think that has yeah. to do with just simply being you know at your church. But there is uh, yeah, there's legitimately something to that. In fact, I think that we've talked about this. My first couple of years in ministry. I uh, I like attended mass somewhere else. Yes, like like l- right. a little bit out of town, that. just to sort of be anonymous and not have to. And, that, and it's never like it's never overwhelming. People aren't like asking me like, "What's the uh, what's the passcode to the printer?" Yeah, like it's yeah, not yeah. that kind of stuff. But there is a certain way, and I'm assuming you feel some of that too. I do, and part of that is the nature of being a pastor. I think where it's like you're trying to juggle all these things, but part of it is just like. I think I can overthink things. So you're sitting, I'll leave me in the front row. Oh, yeah. There's no reason for me to be like disengage or thinking. And all I'm thinking about is like, oh, is that light out? Oh, is this? Oh, right. Are we running a little late. Oh, man, that, that, yeah, that drum, it's a little loud today. Or thinking yeah. of stuff that makes really, really yeah. I'm, I'm like projecting what could other people be thinking right now? And that's, that's such well a said. hard way to do that. You're like, oh, I, I hope everyone's doing what? Well. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I think I just sang a song, but man, that didn't mean anything. Like, it's well, hard. you've mentioned this too. You're a, you have a bit of a people pleaser yeah, in you, yeah, so this yeah. idea, like, gosh, I hope everyone's having a good time. I like, <laughs> can I get a show of hands in the back, real quick? Who's having fun right now? Like, we're passing communion. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, that's funny. So uh, uh, I did not preach yesterday, but Scott did. Scott Murray, our, our associate pastor, and he preached on Daniel chapter nine. We're almost done with the book of Daniel. And uh, it's the one where Daniel has another vision, but but in the midst of it, a lot of it's about Daniel's prayer. Hmm. Daniel prays, uh, and, and God basically gives him a vision that says, uh, it's not always going to be bad, but you're not going to see the end of it, basically. Hmm. And Scott did a good job then opening up about, like, really, how do we view prayer? And uh, how do we view God's sovereignty in the midst of prayer? And hmm. what do we pray for? It was just a really good kind of challenge as to um, my own prayer life and to say, uh, what do what, what do I do when I go to prayer? I mean, he got very practical walking through. I'm sure you know the whole ACTS acronym acronym mm-hmm. about uh, kind of orienting your prayer that way. And you can almost see it in this prayer that Daniel prays. And just this idea that, you know, we often go to prayer just like, God, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. Yeah. As opposed to, uh, you know, almost a, a bend me to your will, like you're good and you're sovereign. Like prayer is almost like to bring me, uh, it, you know, in, in kind of line with what God is doing. And so it was, it was a good reminder for me, uh, to, uh, to see. And, and it's also this reminder, the, the book of Daniel, sometimes when you preach through a book, you're just like, I can say the same thing every week. And the book of Daniel every week is God is in control. Yeah. God is in control. God is. And I just think we all, regardless of what's going on in life, we need to hear that. Hmm. Like God's in control. It doesn't mean life is easy. Right. But God's in control. And like you almost feel guilty saying the same thing week after week, but yet you also feel good. Like, hey, I, you still need to hear this. Yeah. Right. God's in control. We should do a segment sometime on what does that mean? Yeah. That God is in control. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, there's a lot to it. Is he pulling all the strings and right. it's, there's no need for us to participate in any way? Yep. What nope. is sovereign? What is providence? What are those things? I think that'd be an interesting segment. Yeah. In the next three minutes. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I don't think it's, oh, then nothing hurts you. Nothing, everything's good. So. Right. Right. Uh, anyway, you did preach yesterday. I think you said you preached down in the city. Yep. I was at our Lincoln Park Old Town campus and this was our uh, commitment Sunday through our breakthrough series and also our breakthrough initiative. And 
the opening illustration, have you seen Free Solo with Alex Honnold? The guy that free climbs El Capitan. I did not oh see my it. gosh! Yep. You need to watch it. I think it's on Hulu and Netflix. Either way, we're we're kind of exploring for him what would lead someone to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And the question we're kind of asking is, what do, what are you willing to trade your life for? Mm. What, and and the, the reality is, we're all trading a life for something. Maybe mm. it's a, you know two or three big accomplishments in the eighty years that you're on planet Earth, or it's wealth, or it's a social network, or whatever. And, we were kind of unpacking a little bit of what Alex kind of he said this in the uh, in the movie, which I thought was interesting. Each day there's a chance that you might die and there's nothing wrong with that. Every living being on Earth is facing that same existential rift. Mm. So he's like, we're all going to die anyway. What are you actually trading your life for? And so we talked about the Apostle Paul and we referenced some of Philippians where he's mm-hmm. talking about, you know, this grand resume that he has. And he was talking with all this confidence, but he later says, but I count all of that as garbage. And the actual word there's like fecal matter like right. it's really intense language it's like that's all garbage compared to he comes very close to swearing man. he really some would argue that he, <laughs> he does, does. <laughs> yeah uh, so we're talking about this experience that he has the damascus the damascus road journey that you know a lot of us have talked about um and he he's there's this encounter in acts 21 where it says agapis uh came down from judea coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. So he's sort of this in this very prophetic way, being like, don't go to Jerusalem, this terrible thing's going to happen. And then mm-hmm. even his friends in the next verse were like, we believe him, this is problematic. And Paul says, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For mm-hmm. him, is like... I've already found what I'm willing to trade my life for. Like this is, and I think when that happens, you get absolute clarity around who it is that you are and what it is that you're here to do. And I think, you know, that's why stories like Alex's are so inspiring because in fact, we showed a brain scan too of like uh, a climber's brain and then his brain uh, being seen the same picture of a rock face. And for the, you know, the climber, the, amygdala the fear center of their brain was all fired up and for alex there was like nothing <laughs> wow <laughs> completely different brain activity and we you know you know the verse second timothy 1 7 for god has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity mm-hmm. but power love and self-discipline not that we're not going to have fear yeah but like the spirit of god is the one enabling and empowering us to step into scary situations and sometimes that means you know it may not go the way that we intended but paul is this beautiful example of like hey it might not go well for me, but I found what I want to trade my life for. Yeah. And, it, and that, I think, in both macro and micro ways, gives us pretty remarkable clarity around what it is that we're here to do. And yeah. I think uh, I think the story of Paul in that in that way, and I don't know, it was a pretty it was a pretty challenging talk. And then we ended with this really great story of Anna and Margaret, this girl that was uh, adopted, her and her brother from Russia. And it was just it was such a tearjerker, such a powerful story <laughs> of, of God showing up in just really remarkable ways. No, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we do this. It always helps me. We joked last week, like, we've never actually heard anyone be like, hey, I'm glad when you tell you what you preach, but it always <laughs> helps me. Like, process, remember right. what we preach and what you preach. I, I find it helpful. Well, coming up next, a psychologist says Christmas music may take a mental toll on you. I wonder who added this one. We're going to talk about that <laughs> next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. 
Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thank you for joining us today. As always, you can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, review, and uh, we appreciate it if you do that. Well, Christmas is kind of coming. I told you before that uh, that it was interesting this weekend. There were people in my neighborhood uh, taking advantage of a little bit of the warmer weather to set up their Christmas lights. But I walked by them like I never even thought about doing that today. And then I don't know. How did you feel today? I don't, obviously, you noticed coming in from the parking garage here towards mm-hmm. the elevators. Mm-hmm. And we were greeted with uh, here at the studio uh, the downstairs at the office building. The big Christmas tree was up. All the wreaths were up. Christmas had exploded it looked downstairs. Pretty nice. I'm not going to lie. Nice, because this is our first Christmas here. It is. So I walked in and I was like, "Well, this is pretty lovely." I was surprised by my reaction. Well, you were okay because yeah. you're usually a let's hold off on Christmas till Thanksgiving guy. I am okay. See, I feel like this is going to be. I am too. Oh, you are. You. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is why I didn't set up my Christmas lights this weekend. <laughs> That's maybe one of many reasons. Yes. But yeah, Thanksgiving. I think it it does frustrate me though because I think and Christmas obviously means a whole lot more than this. But it's usually marked by a lot of gift giving, a lot of lists, and we jump right over Thanksgiving, yes. which is the holiday designed for us to appreciate what we have, and that's. You know, and a lot of the uh, what this article is going to call the Christmas creep is driven by retailers, yes. right? It's you know the the heartbeat behind it is consumerism, yeah. which is part of my angst, I think. So if you know if you watch TV at all, the Christmas commercials have already begun, oh, which feels really early. As a side note, my kids and I have begun really laughing at these types of commercials. But when did the go-to Christmas commercial become husband and wife give each other cars? Do you know anyone who's been surprised by a car on Christmas morning? I just saw one, yeah, a friend of mine. Really? Yeah, it wasn't a Christmas thing, but like Bo on the hood and she walked out. I don't know anybody. I don't think I did before this. And and now that you realize it, you you start to realize how many Christmas commercials on TV are like, oh yeah, I got my wife a car. We got each other cars. Look at these cars for Christmas. Which maybe I'm too much of a Scrooge or a pragmatist, but I'm like, Shouldn't you guys talk about this first? <laughs> like, I bought you a $40,000 car. Like, I feel like there should at least be a conversation before this shows up in the driveway. <laughs> Can I? Do you, That'd be do my you, reaction. Do you have a gift receipt for that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> nope, it's ours, baby. Okay, no, well, Merry Christmas. Yeah, those, that's an aside. But the article you referenced <laughs> before at CBS News says this. Christmas music may take a mental toll, psychologist says. It says some people excitedly throw on Christmas music the minute the temperature drops. Others have a hard rule. Wait until after Thanksgiving to start playing Christmas tunes. Amen. And some people just cannot stand Christmas music, especially if played too early into the holiday season. Well, okay. That seems harsh. Yeah. What's happening? What's going on? Oh, gosh. Is that over the air? Or is that just in my head? <laughs> What's in your head, Brian? Exactly. <laughs> we go on to say, for those who would rather do without jingle bells, a psychologist in Great Britain. It's always Great Britain. Put a blanket on things. Never an average Britain. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So so stupid. I'm sorry. Can we also say, Doe, we're, we're the king of tangents right now. <laughs> yeah, we're somebody not doing lift, well. Somebody at the Lyft conference referred to us as the laughing pastors the other day. I, and then I laughed and she's like, I know that laugh. Uh, I felt so good about that. I don't think I've gotten a better compliment than you guys are the laughing pastors. I'll take it. 
Uh, clinical psychologist Linda Blair says listening to Christmas music too early into the holiday season may affect mental health by triggering feelings of stress. Hmm. Hearing a Christmas song can spark thoughts of all the things you have to do before the holiday, like shopping, party planning, and traveling. As the clock ticks down to December 25th, you may feel overwhelmed by your to-do list and being constantly reminded by the sign of sleigh, uh, the sound of sleigh bells ringing does not help, Blair says. Uh, what do you think about that? Let's just stop there. That It gets a lot into what you were saying, that we associate with Christmas a, a huge to-do list and a great ball of stress. Uh-huh. She's not saying Christmas music does it to us. She's saying Christmas music uh, lights up in our brain something that says, uh-oh, stressful time of the year is coming. I got to get all this stuff done. Stressful time of the year is coming. And she's saying now we're just doing that earlier, so we're, we're bringing on that stress. Yeah, earlier. but to play devil's advocate, that's not the music's fault. If you have a negative association with the season, then that's probably going to do that. And if you have a positive association with the season, I think it would have the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. We, we all know, and we've talked about this before on the show multiple times, music is highly connected to memory, and we've seen that in all clinical study after clinical study and i think this makes sense that we would have some sort of pavlonian response yeah. to uh oh i know but like you know i don't know if you guys host people or not we don't have a lot of hosting responsibilities yet either. for us so it's always like going somewhere and there is a, a stress for me in the gift giving i, I want to do really well in yeah. that and i rarely do to be honest so there is certainly some triggering there but i think i don't know that to me it, it it's less about like whether or not we're stressed by it and more about keeping it in its proper place. Yeah. It's, it's about the thing that we skip over. And I think it goes on to say people who work at malls actually face a higher risk of Christmas music induced stress. Hearing the same song over and over again could make workers struggle to tune it out and they become unable to focus on anything. Uh, you're simply spending all your energy trying to not hear what you're hearing in what is known as the Christmas creep. It seems like the holiday season starts earlier and earlier at us retailers. Some stores even start putting out their Christmas decorations and playing holiday music in October. So there is to me, it's more about it's more about the chronology yes. of when it's being played and less about what it because I, I mean, honestly, and I don't know if you know much about um, the blue Christmas movement. I do not. I actually saw that reference the other day and I thought to myself, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's it's an intentional effort, um, mainly by churches to be more mindful of how uh, heartbreaking the holiday season can be for people, especially mm. those who have lost loved ones, because in a much more intense way, the season is this like visceral reminder that someone's not there, you yeah. know, because it's about feeling together. And so I, I think that's a whole other kind of tier and category of like, how do we better come alongside people that the moment they start hearing this music, they're reminded that they lost a spouse or yeah. a kid or whatever that is. Um, and again, I know I realize that's it's not the responsibility of the entire culture, but there, there are associations with these things. And I think uh, it's worth thinking that through, that's good. but I, you know, you and I probably both just get, labeled scrooges though. you know that's kind <laughs> of that. christmas <laughs> i do too I'm that's a, the thing i'm pro christmas same uh pastorally or just as somebody who doesn't want to be completely stressed out what is one or two pieces of advice you'd give to people because i think what this article is really getting at is uh our culture uh causes christmas to be a really stressful time yeah family presents to-do lists all this stuff and it's the music just kind of gets you into that a little bit. It's not like you said, it's nothing about the music. But if we're going to swim a little counterculturally here, how can we 
uh, not succumb to Christmas, just at getting to the end of Christmas and just being like, oh, glad that's over and, yeah. and feeling just totally drained. I, if I could make one recommendation, yeah, it's to go do. to adventconspiracy.org. Have you guys done Advent Conspiracy? No, I've heard about it. Oh, it is phenomenal. And it's, it's you know, there's if you're a pastor or if you're a part of a church, there's like sermon materials and there's videos and there's websites. But it's sort of a it's a four week um idea and the categories are worship fully spend less give more love all and then it gives really practical tools and resources and it gives a lot of stats about waste and how much we spend globally like it's a pretty sobering if you spend 20 minutes on this website you'll at at the very least be intrigued if not convicted um but the nice thing is it points you to people that are doing stuff holistically or fair trade or um, even ideas. You know, I've heard people say, oh, I always give our kids something to wear, something to read and something to experience. Yes. Like that's their rubric. And I think a lot of people got some of those ideas from websites like this. Um, But it does a good job, though, because, you know, we talked about this a a good deal. You know, Christmas doesn't start in October, but it also doesn't end on December 25th. And that's what I, oh, what's going on over there? I just clicked on Advent (laughs) Conspiracy on Cape Christmas Carol. Sorry. That's the second uh, music piece that we've had. (laughs) Did you see me like jump up? (laughs) So, yeah, that's, I would would encourage people to visit Advent Conspiracy. Right now, it looks fascinating. It's really good. And you get good Christmas music when you turn it on, apparently. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. AdventConspiracy.org. I would, I think you, you bring up a great point of, uh, let's just not succumb to all of the crazy stress and pressures of Christmas. That feels backwards to what it's supposed to be. And yeah. so be thinking about it now, and then you can enjoy the Christmas music, even <laughs> when it's played early. Well, coming up next, Russell Moore, uh, somebody that we quote a lot around here on his blog, wrote an interesting article last week called Parents Don't Fear the Teenage Years. We're going to talk about parenting coming up next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to the Common Good AM 1160. Hope for your life. You okay? <laughs> Not. <laughs> if people knew that you just what you just said to me as the music was playing. Oh, you're talking it about? Just sent me over the edge. <laughs> I, do you know I, how I much, plead the fifth. Do you know how much better our show would be if they taped everything that wasn't on the There'd air? There'd be no show, there Brian. Would it would not show. exist anymore. <laughs> oh, but they think we're the laughing pastors on the air. Ooh. Yeah, is that, is that domain available? You talk. I'm going to see if that's on GoDaddy. Oh, okay. And, L- laughing pastors, plural. That's what she called us. The or no la- the? I think go for both. The laughing. I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to wait. <laughs> <laughs> While I type like a four-year-old. Have you, li- have you listened to our podcast uh, much more than I do? It's available. Oh, John, get on that. John, we need the laughingpastors.com. We need Salem Media to pay for that as well. <laughs> I think because we said it over the air, it now exists. Yes. It's legally binding. Along with the Christianity Today and... And Christian Today. Christian (laughs) We'll take them all. So uh, we're glad you're joining us today. Uh, Find us on Facebook, Common Good Radio Show, Twitter at Common Good Talk. You can find our podcast wherever it is uh, you find our podcast. The whole laughing thing. Yeah. You listen to our podcast back more than I do, and we've said that says a lot about you and me uh, and how we you listen back to your sermons. I don't tend to all this kind of stuff. But when I have listened to our show, yeah. do you ever have that moment where not even like your own voice, but like I, I was laughing because we laugh a lot on the show and I went, that's what my laugh sounds like. <laughs> uh, I had a moment. Yeah, I did. it's probably good to have those moments, don't you think, though, when you're yeah. in the uh, speaking 
profession. <laughs> yeah. But now it's funny because now it comes to my mind that like whenever I laugh, here, I'm like, oh, I know what that sounds like. Well, it's funny. Too. It's not bad. I'm not like, oh, my gosh, my laugh. But I, it sounded very different than it does in my head. And you don't probably laugh like you laugh on the show when giving sermons. No. Right. You're not I'm having very like, serious. Up- people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I've gone back and listened to some of your sermons since you don't do it for yourself. So I thought I, I sh- someone should. So I, I think you have. I have. You've listened to my sermons? Yes. Oh, that's very interesting. Why is that interesting? I, 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 mean, just I mean, I've listened to yours too. <laughs> yeah, I, we all know that's not true now. You have probably listened to more of my sermons than I've listened to my sermons. <laughs> that's interesting. I would like your feedback later. That, well, now we're not going to do that on yeah, air. Yeah, that's probably for the best. <laughs> You're like, let me pull out my notebook. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was really good, but it definitely there's a different tone and cadence when you're preaching no them doubt. on the show. And I'm sure the same is true for me. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you wish you could have this cadence in the pulpit more, or do you see mm-hmm. a difference? No, I think it's an I think, appropriate I think, difference. I think giving a sermon mm-hmm. is a different craft. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, total right turn, Russell Moore. <laughs> so Russell Moore, somebody that uh, we've talked a lot about, has he, he's very deep into the Southern Baptist world, hierarchy. What does his ERLC stand for? Do you know? It's, uh, it's kind of an ethics. Ethics and Everyone whatever. really loves chocolate. <laughs> yes, he does lead that part. ERLC, I know the first word is ethics, and uh, he speaks a lot, a lot, because he, he has a background in politics uh, and being kind of embedded in Washington, D.C., and so he speaks a lot to how uh, Christians are to, are, are to deal with um, politics and how that gets inter- intertangled and intertwined together. Uh, but he wrote a blog at RussellMoore.com. At RussellMoore.com, he wrote a blog on November the 11th uh, titled this, and it just struck me, A, because of the age that my own children are, uh, but also he speaks in some ways that is helpful for you with really little kids. It's entitled this, Parents Don't Fear the Teenage Years. And his first paragraph goes like this. I noticed in my social media archive app that one year ago I had posted on Twitter the following words. Parents of small children, don't let people fill you with dread about, oh, just wait till the teenage years. (laughs) We find these years a source of joy and even fun. I've been a teenager and I've parented teenagers. This is the better part. And he says, I stand by those words. So before he gets into why... I'm interested in a couple different reactions from you. One is, do you hear that from people? You've got little kids oh, yeah. and you're not sleeping. Yeah. You guys have issues where people are like, oh, just wait till the teenage years. Yeah, constantly. And I think it's usually a little tongue in cheek, um, but some of it is not. Some of it is, you think this is our wait till they're driving. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that that's going to also bring a different kind of stress. I would be lying if I said I don't get a little weepy even thinking about my boys becoming teenagers. Mm -hmm. That feels so far in the future. But like you were saying, the cliche is true. It just sort of goes by in a snap. So I'm trying to like even just on Saturday, my my wife is gone for most of the day, just getting a, a whole day, just me and the two of them. And I had that thought probably a dozen times like, oh, man. The time is going to come probably not that far off in the future that you're not going to want to do any of this. You're yeah. not going to you're going to you're going to be annoyed by my presence. Yeah. So, you know, it's a it's a little bit of a catch 22, I think. I've got to say, I've got a 16 year old daughter. We talked in the uh, in the first hour that this past weekend she turned 16. But uh, I, also right. have a, I have a son who's 12. He's about to mm-hmm. become a teenager. I have a daughter who's 10. Uh, but sometimes 10 year old daughters can act like teenagers as well. Right. So in right. some ways, I have a house of teenagers. And you know what? Uh, I got this one the way when they were younger, a lot of people going, oh, just wait until they're teenagers. I love having teenagers in the house. That's awesome. It's totally different 
and it does have its own added stress. But if you were like, hey, you could trade these teenage years and go back to like the toddler years, I'd be like, no. Like I, the teenage years are really fun because uh, you can, in some ways, uh, be par- parents and friends to your kids. Like it kind of goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Where, where right now, yeah, you have special f- moments with your son, but or your sons, but it's not like. Hey, we're hanging out like we're I told you the story about when I went to California with my daughter this summer. Right. It was legitimately fun. It was like we were able to have a uh, like a legitimate vacation together. Right. right. Uh, If you had to take one of your sons to California by yourself right now, (laughs) I don't think it would be it it would be memorable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It would be less of a conversation, more of a monologue. Yeah. Seriously, we're doing this again. Okay, you just keep saying seriously. So uh, interesting. You and I both have also the background of being youth pastors, where we dealt with teenagers all the yeah. time. And so, uh, wondering how what what did that give you your your youth ministry years? What did that give you in terms of your mindset about teenagers? What did you see even in teenagers then? As you were leading youth ministries. I mean, I, I love student ministry. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I would often say then, and I'll still say now, is that I, I don't think students are the church of the future. I think they're the church of right now. I realize there are obvious um, detriments to, you know, they don't have their own finances typically. They don't have, but what they do have is like this beautiful idealism yes. that Jesus actually like changes hearts and changes people and changes cities. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't had that beaten out by the world yet, you know? Um, So I think that there is, there is certainly an excitement to, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stress that comes with that. There's certainly nights where I was like, Oh my gosh, this, I had them for two hours. You you guys live with that. It's crazy. But by and large though, there was just this really beautiful sense of like camaraderie and let's go change the world and let's think outside the box. And I just think, I think students are really adept at that. But I love, I love this article quotes Wendell Berry. Mm -hmm. uh, And he says, children, no matter how nurtured at home must be risked to the world. And parenthood Mm -hmm. is not an exact science, but a vexed privilege and a blessed trial. Absolutely necessary and not altogether possible. (laughs) That's (laughs) That's so Wendell Berry. But that the idea of like, hey, you're going to have the years that you have and then they're gone. Like that is just the nature of reality, which is, again, tough for me to think about with how young my kids are. But such an important, I think, thing to grapple with. Absolutely. I love how he ends this. He says, in those teenage years, you can start to see a glimpse of who your children will be as adults. You can see God preparing them to go out into the world. You can see their hearts broken and have yours broken along with them. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. But you can see their hearts alive with grace and wonder, too. That means vulnerability. Love always does. But in that vulnerable love, are signs of joy. Don't fear the teenage years, Moore says, and don't take them for granted either. They, like life itself, are a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Like It's so good. And I think what I would love to say, and you and I, I, I like how this show has worked out where you, you and I are very different parenting stages right now. Mm-hmm. Like That feels like we, we could come at things from different angles. Uh, and, but I've said this multiple times. Be completely invested and enjoying the stage you're in now because it's going to change and then invest and enjoy that next stage and invest and enjoy that next stage instead of like, oh, no, just hold on to this stage. Don't become a teenager. Don't become this and just fighting. It's going to happen anyway. And so just kind of enjoy it and be intentional. uh, And and then and then I think there's just great joy in the parenting of every stage. You know, who I tend to think really is helpful with that is grandparents. Mm-hmm. You know, like watching my folks and Katie's folks uh, 
the very special relationship they have with our kids. I'm like, oh, you ha- you've done this before, though. And they're like, no, no, no. But you don't realize you don't know what you don't know. Yes. And until it's someone else's kids and like the specialness that they seem to bring to every interaction yep. is such a, an important reminder to, to me that this is like he said, this is a vapor. This is a brief yes. moment and to kind of really hone in, I think, is a good call. So we'd love to hear what you have to say about Russell Moore's blog here. You can find that at Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. Well, coming up next, a blog post that you found that says this, the happiest people are those who realize that God is enough. We're going to discuss that next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us today. Find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, and Twitter at Common Good Talk. You can find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, hey, we're going to have you read something called The Happiest People for Are Those Who Realize That God Is Enough. But before you do, speaking of happy people. Is this about a pillow? Have I told you about Mr. Rogers? Oh, the new movie coming that out, one. Yes. Which my children saw the now there's commercials on because the, talk about the Mr. Rogers movie called uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood mm-hmm. that opens in theaters on November the 22nd, which is just a couple days away. Right on. It started. We were watching football yesterday and the, and the uh, commercials were starting to run. Right. And my kids were like, oh, is that the movie you saw that? I really want to see that. Aww. I really want to see that. I'm like, we will totally go see that nice. together. So I got the opportunity to go see this movie. Uh, Tom Hanks plays Mr. Rogers, and uh, it is really good. Like, I went into it going, ah, I don't know, Mr. Rogers, PG, what, what are we talking about? Is this going to be good? <laughs> you don't like PG movies? I like them with my kids, you know, but usually uh, okay. they're a little simplistic. But it wasn't. It was mm-hmm. really good, and it was heartwarming, but also challenging. And so November 22nd, opening in theaters, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the uh, story of Mr. Rogers and the effect he had on this kind of cynical reporter, uh, I would encourage you to go see it. I'll be going and seeing it. It and uh, I do. I also told my wife this week it's been way too long since we've gone and seen a movie. Really, and I just no movie that I'm necessarily like I want to see right now. It's like I want to sit in that chair with milk duds and a big drink and just kind of have nothing going ah, on. Milk duds. Oh, that's my go-to movie theater. What is your go-to movie theater? Uh, candy or it could be popcorn, could be whatever. Anything but milk duds. No, <laughs> come on. I feel like you just said that to be spiteful and angry at me. <laughs> I feel like that's what Why that movie I, was. It's, that's the caramel ones, right? The ones mm-hmm. that get stuck on your teeth and you yeah. can't eat one without it getting all attached just to your... means it's saved for later. Oh, gross. No. What, what is no. your choice? God, it could be so many other things. I, I like was... Skittles. I love Skittles. I like Butterfingers. Mm. Uh, what? I'm okay. I'm more oh, in the middle no. of the road with Butterfingers. These are the wheeze. I mean, popcorn for sure. I, I like even like Sour Patch Kids and yeah, Starburst yeah, and... Yeah. So everything but milk duds. Raisinets? Are you a Raisinette yeah, fan? Yeah, I, I can get down some Raisinets for sure. <laughs> okay. Not Twizzlers, though. What I'm... I don't like is anything. <laughs> I like Twizzlers. What I don't like is anything like minty. The Junior Mint. The... I, I can go for Junior Mints. What is the one that's smaller? Like it's Junior mint. Junior Mints. <laughs> <laughs> Micro Junior Mints. <laughs> Mints the third, I think. is. You know the one, what are they called? <laughs> Snow Caps, maybe? Are they... No, like they're we're gonna do a whole segment on this, aren't nope, we? Nope, we're done with it. Wait, no, right I have now. a question though. Before before we yes. get off this topic, you mentioned it being PG and you know, yeah. kind of not having yeah. the high hope. What do you, can you think of like another PG movie that you loved though that kind of surprised you? I actually, I actually end up loving it because obviously that's really all that we go see in the theaters with kids. With kids, right? and I love them. Like all the Disney okay. movies. Like I'm very uh, pro, but but you know sometimes if it's like just you and your wife going out, you're like. 
Let's go see. Not like I want to see some gore. <laughs> That's how we were thinking. No, but they, does that really set the mood? We end up, <laughs> <laughs> but then we end up going to the PG movie anyway. <laughs> Here's the truth of it: If my wife and I, after November 22nd, went out on a date and yeah. went and saw a movie, it's a hundred percent chance we'd go see Mr. Rogers. Oh, really? <laughs> and I'm not saying that as an ad. I'm saying that as the truth. She yeah. loves Mr. Rogers. I get it. That kind of stuff. So, have you seen the movie Invincible with Mark Wahlberg? I have not. Oh my goodness, you have to go see that too. It it stands out in my mind as one of the one of the greatest pg movies mark Wahlberg, really yeah it's this great it's about the eagles it's the you've got to see it oh wait a minute i have seen that movie yes <laughs> yeah it's like, about the eagles yes. yeah it's like 13 years old it's yes. it's old i have seen that movie okay all right that's good <laughs> so right, uh, nailed that. a blog that you found at thoughtcatalog.com which i love the places you find stuff man <laughs> thoughtcatalog.com uh, is titled this. Uh, Rainia Name is the per- is the author's name. Uh, is what that how to say? N A I M. I'm going with name. Okay. Uh, the happiest people are those who realized that God is enough. Why don't you maybe just read us the whole thing because it's pretty poetic. Yeah, I'll read it. I also want to say because sometimes people will leave comments on the Facebook page as if every article we mm. share we agree with. I've had this talk with so many people. It is not the point of the show. So it's not just a steady stream of like we approve this, we endorse this, we stand yes. by this. A lot of times I'm throwing links into our shared doc just to see people's reactions. Yes. I'm just curious. Hey, what do you think about this? So I'm going to read it. So funny you say that. I literally had that talk twice with people last week. Like sometimes what you guys post makes me uncomfortable. I'm like. Yeah, that's just because we post it doesn't mean that that is like my passion and what I even right. agree with. And and being uncomfortable at times is maybe a really good thing. Anywho, here here's the uh, here's the article. The happiest people are those who realize that God is enough. <clears throat> Starts by saying, "I envy these people. I want their faith. I want their strength. I want their solid feet when their world is falling apart. I want their forgiveness when their heart is breaking. I want their pace and moving on when something isn't meant to be." I want their ease and letting go of what they can't control. Mm. I want their peace of mind, knowing that God is enough, knowing that God is writing their story, knowing that God has better things planned for them, and knowing that and knowing that loving God is the only love they really need in their lives. They're not concerned with worldly pleasures, with things that are temporary or people who decide not to love them anymore. They have learned that as long as you depend on people for your happiness, they'll always disappoint you. Mm. But as long as you depend on God, you'll always be reassured. You'll always be satisfied. You'll always wake up every morning thankful for life, grateful for everything in it, even your hardships. People find happiness when they find God. People understand life when they understand God. People truly start living when they make God their guide, their leader, and their voice. I don't know how they got there, but I know that this is the ultimate truth. This is how you enjoy your life, and this is how you stay calm, strong, and patient in times of pain and distress. This is how you heal. Because once you learn that God is enough, You'll never have to question yourself. You'll never have to doubt yourself, your decisions. You'll become whole again. You become Mm. complete. Maybe we're all confused, hurt, and sad because we still don't know how to talk to God. We still don't get it. We still ask for things that are wrong for us. We still hope to change our destiny. We still think he's being too hard on us. We still think uh, he doesn't know what makes us happy. Maybe we all can't trust each other because we still don't know how to trust God. The happiest people are those who trust God blindly because that's how they see the light. That's how they walk through life steadily, no matter how bumpy the road may be, because they know that they're being looked out for. They know that they're being protected. They know they're being loved by God, and that's enough, more than enough. Hmm. So upon hearing it, I'd love to know your reactions, what stands out to you, what do you disagree with, what do you love? Uh, As a concept, I love it. I think there is some good truth to... um, to people tr- trusting that God is enough, even when life is at its hardest. Uh, 
what I would probably ask her, what I, here's the follow-up blog I would love, is how do you do this? Yeah. Is uh, this, uh, and I agree with this, and I believe she agrees 100% with this, but it's, it's the, the next step is like, how do you live a life like that? How do you, when you're in the midst of despair, how do you get to the point of going, God is enough? Yeah. Um, because uh, the Bible's clear that God's enough. And, and I also, it, this rings also when we talk about identity, uh, you know, be also being enough of how God sees me versus how other people see me. Like all of this, I think, rings true. The hard part is, how do you actually live this way? Not just kind of in your mind, but actually, how does this infuse itself in your day to day? Yeah. And I don't, I'm going to be Push the back. wet blanket here. Yep. I, I actually don't know that I agree 100% with this. What don't you agree with? Okay, for example, uh, once you learn that God is enough, you'll never have to doubt yourself or your decisions. Mm. Sometimes you should doubt your decisions. Sometimes <laughs> we make bad decisions. I also think this last paragraph here, the happiest people are those who trust God blindly. Um, happiest think, is a hard word. It's a pretty loaded word. That's yeah. true, and happiest is probably closer to blessed then we realize, mm. you know, especially as the psalmist would use it. But okay. the idea of trusting God blindly, there's certainly examples in Scripture of people who do that. But there's maybe even more of people pushing back, asking multiple questions, yeah. asking God, where are you? What are you doing? Like, I don't know that it necessarily is the most Christian mm-hmm. to follow and trust blindly. Mm. I think trust and following, and I think that's, those are all integral parts of it. Yeah. And maybe I'm just kind of showing my own wiring, I guess. But, like, feels like... The scriptures provide a lot of space for intense disagreement and doubt and pushing back. And some of these are people that the Bible describes as like juggernauts of the faith. Hmm. So if that's the case, I don't know. I don't know that blind following is totally the case. I don't even know that that's the goal. But I I love how it opens, though, because I can certainly understand the envy. I envy the people that Hmm. seem to just like when the bottom drops out, they're like, I'm still going to trust. And you're like, gosh, that's beautiful. I want more of that in my life. So, you know. Kind of, kind of both hand, I think. Yeah, who was it? The singer? Oh, the Toby Mac story we did a couple of weeks ago where he wrote a follow-up blog after his son died that basically said, uh, you know, we are going to trust God because we love him, not because of what he gives us. And there's some mm-hmm. of that ringing in here. Uh, but yeah, th- for me, it is, what is this as a pastor walking people through the real struggles of their life or when we're in the struggles of life, how do you actually live this out? That I think is, is the hard one for me. Yeah. Maybe we'll uh, dedicate another that. segment to it sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, we are going to go from a deep topic like that to absolute insanity, the interweb insanity. Uh, we, how we end our show every day, uh, <laughs> crazy stories that our producers have found from the internet. We're going to read those next coming up by our, on the coming good AM 1160. Hope for your life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Welcome back to the Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, It is that time of the show. It is the end of our show. Some interweb insanity where we, our producers, give us just crazy stories they have found on the internet. And uh, we read them sight unseen. Usually it's Keith Conrad, a mixture of Keith Conrad, our executive producer, and our our producer, John. Uh, They mix them up. But we learned today four of them are from Keith and one is from John. And so at the end Mm -hmm. of this, we're going to try to guess which one was John. Do you think we stand a chance? Uh, About a 20% chance. Wow, that's one in five. (laughs) (laughs) Very mathematical of you. (laughs) All righty. You go first. I don't want to go first. Doesn't matter. All right, Russia. Stowaway pigeon delays flight by 20 minutes. 
How's that even a story? <laughs> a flight taking off from Moscow Airport was delayed for slow news day. Yeah, right. No kidding. For 20 minutes, while the plane's crew chased down a pigeon that stowed away in the passenger compartment, Aero, Aeroflot. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not right. Was delayed for 20 minutes, November 9th at boy, <laughs> say it. Sh- Sheremet. Kievo International Airport in Moscow when a pigeon was discovered on board the aircraft. Did I just read the same thing three times? <laughs> three different ways. A video recorded on board the plane shows the flight crew chasing the pigeon as it flies around. I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. The pigeon was eventually ejected. What? Oh, you got to say this last phrase, though. And the flight departed for, gosh darn it. Go for it. Petra Pavlovskomshasky. Get off my plane. Yeah, that's good. That was a nothing story. Nailed it. It literally is just the same sentence. There's a pigeon on a plane. Next. <laughs> how dumb. What is? How is our faith like a pigeon trapped on a plane? Go. Yeah, no thank you. Australia, firefighters save man's house, apologize for drinking his milk. <laughs> firefighters in Australia have gained attention for leaving a note apologizing for drinking a man's milk after they saved his house from a wildfire. Uh, Paul Sec. Sec- Secfi. Paul Secfi. I mean, it's only I was five afraid letters. I was halfway through. I'm like, I'm going to swear in somehow. I can't tell how. <laughs> I was wondering why you uh, were New struggling. New South Wales posted a handwritten note on Facebook, which was signed by the Yurunga Rural Fire Service. He sa- it said, it was our pleasure to save your house. Sorry we cannot save your sheds. The note said, P.S. We owe you some milk. <laughs> Firefighter Hardy Porter uh, was on. a part of the team. <laughs> to the, I'm going past it. Hardy Porter <laughs> told CNN that he and the other firefighters took some milk due to not having eaten anything for hours. Sekfi noted that the firefighters also had cheese and peanut butter, which he is okay with. What? They don't have to pay back the milk. I just sort them. I just sort them a couple of cases of beer. You're a monster. Uh, I'll just sort them a couple of cases. Maybe that's Australia. (laughs) It's Australia speak for send them. Yeah. In nothing news, here's story two of the day. (laughs) Jeez. Firefighters drink the milk. (laughs) Done. (laughs) Holy, someone had a word count to hit. Uh, England. Startled pig hinders water pipe repairs and causes train disruption. Okay. A, why is startled pig in quotes? <laughs> it's an actual startled pig, right? The, the, the pig could neither confirm nor deny. It's <laughs> startled. It's startledness, right. Confronted engineers as they repaired a burst water main in London before it was coaxed away with a bag of crisps. The pipe burst in Lambert's Road, Surbiton, damaging nearby railway equipment, which caused train delays. Thames Water said the valve to cut the water was in a field occupied by a pet pig called Pickle, and engineers were concerned about disturbing it. It is not known what flavor CRISPR used to entice the pig away. Come along, Barry, uh, you, uh, big buttheads! Oh, whoa. Hey, hey watch whoa. the language. Hello. What's the movie? Come on. Uh, not appropriate. I don't yeah, know. my good, not PG. That's for sure. <laughs> that's it's not how they, Actually, I think it's G. It's not how they talked to the Mister Rogers. Just, movie. Uh, <laughs> was that Biff from Back to the Future? No, he's the only person I know that talks like that. That's Babe. Oh, uh, oh, the pig. Now, oh, right. Wales. <laughs> whoa, four for four on being out of the country here. Hmm. Denby couple admits spraying neighbor with hose pipe. <laughs> I don't know why this is a big deal. A couple has admitted common assault on their neighbor by turning a hose pipe on him in a long-running dispute. The word is neighbor, I think. <laughs> Barry and Helen Lee, both age 72, sprayed Harold Burroughs with water as he was clearing up debris. Why is this a story? Magistrates <laughs> at Conway County were shown footage of the incident, which Mr. Burroughs had caught on camera. The couple is giving a 12-month conditional discharge. They are also ordered to pay... 
170 whatever that is cost that's pounds. Pounds, thank you. <laughs> Prosecutor Julia Gaston said it was a nasty assault oh and that there had been a number of difficulty with the Lees. Robert Vickery, mitigating, said the neighbors, or neighbors, <laughs> used to be friends, but there had been a dispute about land and the Lees now plan to move. We're the ones who are throwing garbage in the streets and lighting fires. We're the ones who are acting suspicious and paranoid. We're the lunatics. Us. It's not them. Slow news day on the common gate like, here. Am I missing that story? They literally sprayed him with a hose? <laughs> it does seem that way, and yes. now they're moving. Okay, <laughs> finally we're coming home to North Carolina. Three castaway cows swam to North Carolina's Outer Banks to escape Hurricane Dorian. Three castaway cows have been discovered at a national seashore on North Carolina's Outer Banks, where they apparently washed up after swimming for several miles. What? Cows can swim? To escape ferocious Hurricane Dorian storm. In September, Cape Lookout National Sea Force, Sea Force, holy cow, seashore officials think the stranded cows swam up to five miles during the storm before being found near Cape Lookout earlier this month. Don't kid yourself, Jimmy. If a cow ever got the chance, he'd eat you and everyone you care about. I assume that was coming. Yep. Did, did you uh, have a guess which one was John's? I think he is the couple sprayed the people with hose pipe. Exactly it. Wow. Wow. You, I hesitate. Wow. You win nothing. But I win nothing but your <laughs> acclaim. Congrats. You and get some mediocre dignity. There you go. Some mediocre dignity here on The Common Good. Where we get Common Good, where we give you mediocre dignity every day from four to six. We're glad you joined us on this Monday. For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. This is The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Laughingpastors.com. <laughs>